Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, here we go. Good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Skeleton crew here today, men. Paul, good morning. Reed, good morning. Elliot, good morning. I mean, no Trace, no Jacob. Tell's going on around here. Friday, everybody's blowing out of town. Long weekend. Just trying to get ahead on the weekend. Big weekend here in Hamilton, Ohio. Damn right, Tom. Damn right. What's going on here in Hamilton? Hamilton Police tomorrow. We just got a concert at Riverbed Series where you could have got Tommy Water. And then uh, also Municipal Brewers. Good spot for the So uh, this is one of these deals where it's like a town festival, bands. I mean, they close the streets. What's the deal? So, yeah, they actually close the street right in front of municipal. They, that street's not very used very often. They, they get bands. They, they release a new beer every couple hours. It's, it's a lot of fun. They, sometimes they do like an animal adoption thing. Nice. But you're not going. I am not going. It is the – I have a wedding this week. I call, I've been calling it the Coronation of Hamilton. Two, two big Hamilton families getting married this weekend. So In Hamilton, I in, in Ham, Spooky Nook. First, first time I'll ever be at Spooky Nook. Very, very so, nice. excited about it. Very, very nice. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a. to 12. P. And you can join us. Just jump on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports Paid. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman. And you're dialed in. Now, look, only a very select few make it to baseball's Hall of Fame. We know that, right? And yesterday, we witnessed one of them who's still on top of his game. 35-year-old Clayton Kershaw was simply masterful yesterday. He proved you can get people out, just throw strikes, and you don't have to throw 100 miles an hour to do it. Kershaw completely shut down the recent high-flying Reds offense over seven innings. He gave up five hits, not a single run, struck out nine, and didn't even hit 100 pitches. Ellie De La Cruz had one of those hits, but he also struck out three times in a 6-0 Dodger win. Kershaw not only delivered on the mound, he delivered some scathing comments about David Bell after the game. He blasted the Reds manager for intentionally walking a batter trailing six to nothing in the ninth inning. One batter before his personal catcher, Austin Barnes, came to the plate. Barnes was hit on the hand by a pitch. X-rays were negative, thankfully, but Kershaw added he didn't agree with a lot of what David Bell did during the three-game series. Sour grapes? I don't know. I don't have an opinion. I mean, you don't get this guy to say boo to anybody. Right. right. So when he talks, maybe there's some validity to it. Shocking that Kershaw would come out and say that after the game. The two teams will meet again the final weekend of July out in Los Angeles. The Reds got further bad news when slumping starter Graham Ashcraft had to leave the game with a calf injury after taking a comebacker off the leg. 
Now, David Bell came out, training staff came out twice, but let them have Ashcraft talk them into him staying in the game. Bell and company are trimming the rotation from six down to five starting tonight. And Ashcraft's injury, along with his ineffectiveness, may make that an easy decision. The Reds begin a three-city, nine-game road trip tonight in St. Lou. Ben Lively against Jordan Montgomery. What a night for Cleveland star Jose Ramirez. He homered in each of his three at-bats, first three at-bats last night, in a route of the White Sox. And he did it from both sides of the plate. Of course, that part is nothing new for Ramirez. It was the seventh time in his career that he's hit a home run from each side of the plate in the same game. It was the first time, however, he's hit three home runs in a game. Do you consider yourselves to be the voice of the Oklahoma Lady Sooners softball team? Yay or nay? Not at all, but man, oh man, what a dynasty they've created. It's absolutely incredible what they've done. I was telling Paul, I think... This might be a, a hot take, but what they've done over the past three years is better than any run that Gino and the UConn women's basketball team have had. Hard to argue, man. I mean, uh, they cap off the single greatest season in NCAA history. They played 62 games. They lost once. They won their third straight national softball championship last night. The Lady Sooners are the first back-to-back -back champs since UCLA in 1990. In hockey, Florida Panthers rallied in overtime to beat Las Vegas in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals. 3-2 the final last night. Vegas leads the series two games to one. FC Cincinnati puts its best record in the league on the line tomorrow night in Vancouver. FC has lost only one game all year long, and that was two months ago. Vancouver is 5-5-6 five, five, and six on the year, and we're doing that by normal standing. Not five, six, and, and five, where they do wins, draws, losses. We're going wins, losses, draws on that record. NBA Finals resume tomorrow night. Denver holds a two games to one lead after winning on the Heat's home floor Wednesday night. Locally, the Molar Crusaders won their state semifinal baseball game over Walsh Jesuit yesterday, 2-0 and will play in the Ohio State Championship game tomorrow morning. Jerry Faust, a legendary football coach at Big Mo. Remember, he went to Moeller and then went to Akron. The semifinal game was played in Akron. The championship game will be played in Akron. Faust was there yesterday rooting on the Crusaders. Big Mo is gunning for its ninth state baseball championship, which would tie Newark Catholic for the most all-time in Ohio high school boys baseball history, although you dispute that, Reed Mouse. Yeah, I think if you look on the OHSAA uh, record site, it has Elder winning like 12 or 14, but it could have been before they were sanctioned tournaments. So yes. it might have been just like pole championships. Yes. Okay. But. Well, good luck to Big Mo, head coach Tim Held. And weather and air quality permitting, the Belmont Stakes is set for this Saturday. That's tomorrow. We'll be joined by Dan Cronin later in the show to preview the race. And more importantly, talk about this extremely disturbing pattern of horses dying at racetracks all over the United States of America. And not far from here, down in Louisville, I think it's 27 horses have died oh my gosh. just at Churchill Downs alone. And apparently in the New York Post yesterday, and we'll get into this with Dan, 
Um, somebody who is, uh, and, and I've got his name, we'll talk about it when the time comes. Uh, his last name's Hudson, uh, who's been in the horse racing business forever. Says that well over 60 to 70% of these horses are being doped up. And that's the reason they're dying. Wow. I mean, th th this is not good. This is not good at all. So we will, um, we will uh, talk with him. We're also going to be joined today. Is it Charlie Babowski? Colin. I mean, Colin Babowski. Forgive me. Colin Babowski was a guy we talked about on the show yesterday. Now, this was a young man. I think he's, what, 14? 14, 15. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But he's a, he's a golfer at, at LaSalle. And we told you yesterday that and, – and I ran this by my son yesterday. He had not heard this story. And he said the same thing, Paul, that you and Reed and Elliot were saying. How is this not like on like every you – know, CNN, ESPN – I mean, every media outlet in the country. This guy has three holes in one in one day. Yeah, it, it's so unbelievable that I, I think it's, it's – the problem is <laughs> there's no video of it. So I think if there was a video maybe by – you'd think after the second time that somebody might have gotten their phone out right. when, he was, when he was stepping up to the tee. Oh, what if he does this a third time? Right. But there's no video of it. We only have the picture of it. So I'm wondering if maybe, like, the, I know a lot of times with news outlets, when they want to pick up a story, it's hard to pick up a story without video. Um, I, actually, <laughs> I actually forwarded it to ESPN yesterday. And I heard back immediately. And they said, ah, this might be tough to run without video. So that's maybe a little bit of it. But even on Twitter, maybe it's so unbelievable that people don't believe it. I don't know, but... Somebody tweeted back at me and said that they had a family member playing in the outing and, and was watching it happen or something like that. Three in one day, it's, it's incredible. So Colin's going to be on the show at 11. Jay Morrison will be on here in about five minutes. Yep, looking forward to that. Uh, lots in the chat already today. I mean, Sir Boy Wonder, look, you know I love you, brother. I mean, you know I love you. But, I mean, this buy the hype stuff, it's tired. What? That's all he writes anymore. We have uh, chat rankings today. Yeah. Yes, we do. Hold on. I they think... want you to buy the hype. Yeah, your, your mic was, might have been a little mic low. off? It might have been a little okay. low. Said it was a little low, but... Yeah, no, no. I think, I think it was off. Your mic was off in the beginning of the show, and then I... We're good. We're good now. The graphics weren't working in the beginning, but we're good. We're all good. The player formerly known as Mouse Cop says, keep Reed's mic off. <laughs> no, we're all good. That's fair. <laughs> we're talking about how it's not on <laughs> national news, this Colin Babowski, but... It's on the only only media that counts, Tom. It's on Chatterbox Sports here in a little bit. That's exactly right. Somebody made the comment: the reason it's not on CNN is because it is fake. It's it's fake news. It's not fake. Well, so there right. we go. That that's a new name I haven't seen. Have we seen much cash action bets in the chat? He was in yesterday. Yeah, I, I thought he was yesterday. Um. Okay. Okay. Um. Red legs now. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody was going crazy, understandably so. A couple of days, LA comes up, they rally, they win big games. Then they run into a guy who's just a great. I mean, he's just great, even now, right? I mean, Kershaw is just, his career numbers are just staggering. Career ERA at 2.50. Career, 15 years in the big leagues. Three-time Cy Young Award winner, 35 years old. And he might win another Cy Young the way he's going this year. Yeah. He's that good. 
He's still got it. He's still got it. It, it really is amazing. Um, okay, so now, you know, it's funny how your expectations change, right? So now you're going when the season began. And really, when the Cardinals came to town the last time, they got off to the terrible start. They were beginning to kick things into gear, and it looked like, you know, the Cardinals were, were, were going to be the Cardinals again. Then all of a sudden, they've just gone straight in the tank again, right? Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you're going to St. Louis, Kansas City, and Houston. When the season began, I think most people thought, okay, you're going to get drilled in St. Louis. You're certainly going to get drilled in Houston. You might do something in Kansas City. But my, how those expectations, or have they changed? We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Also going on, OTAs continuing downtown for the Cincinnati Bengals. And one of our favorites, the pride of the Ohio University, Jay Morrison, kind enough to join us here today. Jay, now, now, now you normally got the OU gear on. That looks like some kind yeah. of, uh, well, what is that shirt you got going there today? Uh, this is like uh, David playing guitar. It's one of my go-to concert t-shirts. Very, very nice. We were debating the other day. I'm curious because you're a rock and roller at heart, right? We got into yeah. this big we got in this big debate the other day. Van Halen with David Lee Roth or Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. You know, when when 5150 came out, I loved it. It was one of my favorite albums, but now looking back in retrospect, I I, I I appreciate 5150 and, and, and Hagar, but there's nothing like David Lee Roth. I mean, that was that was some incredible music. See, my man Jay knows what's going on, right? <laughs> he knows what's going on. That's exactly what I said the other day and getting into it with Tracy Jones. What the hell does Tracy Jones know about it? All right. Um, walk us through any impressions you have. I mean, it can be anything from – you know, the, the, the way they're conducting the, the, the OTAs to, you know, some guy shows up that you hadn't seen before, a draft pick, a free agent, whatever it might be, that just looks different in their uniform than maybe you thought. What impressions have you gathered just from the last couple of weeks? I think the biggest thing is the way they are handling it. I mean, last year they, they, they went so light on the work and the, it was, I mean, Zach just kept saying, we're coming off the longest season in NFL history. We went the distance. We're going to give these guys some rest. Now they, they came within one game of going the distance last year. And we thought maybe it would kind of go back the old way, but it hasn't. I mean, he's, it's, it's almost lighter this year than it was last year. So that's been the, the biggest impression it he, he's, he has said he's going to evaluate it every year and see where it's at. But it feels like this is the future. And it's just another nod of, of the way that Zach manages because, yes, it's it's beneficial for him, for the team, for everybody to to not risk injury, and especially the soft tissue injuries that happen so much this time of year. But the players love it. And, and if you're going to be, you know, he's already got that reputation as a young player coach, um, really respects their opinion and, and their input. And it's it's been surprising. I mean, we haven't seen anything. We've seen guys in T-shirts and shorts running around doing position drills and calisthenics, basically. Now, this week, we did actually get to see some seven-on-seven. Seven. They put on helmets for the first time. This was mm -hmm. the official start of OTAs. So that was good to see. Um, I, I guess if there was one player that stood out to me, um, it was Irv Smith. 
the the new tight end. He made a couple of really impressive catches, and the reason he made those catches is Joe Burrow wasn't very accurate on those passes. One was behind him and kind of low, and, and Irv got it. One was up the seam, and Joe sailed it a little bit, and Irv went up and caught it. Um, I think there's there's a lot of question about a new guy like that and how he's going to fit in the offense. So I think that was a, a good sign that that he he can go get balls. He doesn't have to have it right on the numbers to to be a weapon. But again, it's they're it's it's seven on seven. They're still in t-shirts and shorts. There's it's really hard to glean anything. Maybe next week at minicamp we'll see a little bit more. But if last year was any indication, um, we probably won't. I don't think we're going to see any eleven on eleven. Um, but we hopefully we'll see some more seven on seven, and the the practices will be a little longer than what we've seen uh, during this this voluntary portion when it was just workouts and not a technical practice. How about the uh, the draft picks? Anybody stand out or catch your eye of that group? You know, Miles Murphy looks the part, but again, yeah. you, it's it, it, you're talking about guys in the trenches, and it's re- you you got to wait till training camp till the pads come on, till they they really start banging to kind of get any idea. Um, you know, Jordan Battle is has has fit in and and has looked good in the limited stuff that we've seen him do because Nick Scott, the safety they signed from the Rams, is they're they're bringing him along slowly after offseason shoulder surgery. Um, Andre Yosibash. I mean, <laughs> this happens every year. We joke about it on our podcast, how, you know, the Auden Tates or the Alonzo Russells or the, the guys that come in and make some wow catches early on and everybody gets all fired up. But he really does look the part. A six-round wide receiver um, out of Princeton, an Ivy League guy. Um, it's it's going to be uh, tough for him to kind of crack playing time this year with the, with the elite receivers this team has. But he's going to be fun to watch. And I, I really do look forward to seeing uh, what he can do once they get into some team drills. Uh, but beyond that, there's, I guess, maybe the punter, Brad Robbins. He's, he's been a character. He's been fun to talk to. Uh, he, he really does have a leg. I, I think he's, I would put him as the favorite to win that job over Drew Chrisman, but still a long way to go on that. You know, I'm kind of curious of that uh, because we rarely talk about punters and, and, and they use mm. the selection to get him out of Michigan. And, you know, I, I, you tell me. I mean, you're around it every single day, Jay. You know, they, they stayed with Kevin Huber for a long time. Kevin Huber had a great career as a Cincinnati Bengal. There's no doubt about it. Local kid, McNick, UC, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he had a great career. Um, I think some felt like the Bengals may have been a little late to the trigger in, in giving Chrisman the chance. They do give him the chance. But – I mean, is the amount of time he was given uh, normally a, a fair amount of time to, to gauge a punter, especially doing it at that level for the first time after basically a number of years since he left Ohio State and not even participating in real games? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it, it all came down to trust. I mean, he obviously had the stronger leg. And and I would argue he he outperformed Kevin Huber in training camp last year. But it was that trust factor of when when this guy gets in a big game, is it going to be too big for him? Is he going to mess up? And you, a lot of people think of that as, oh, is he going to drop the snap? But that's not what Darren Simmons was looking for. His biggest fear is what came to pass in the in the AFC Championship game where I got to have it punt, and he kicks it low and right down the middle, and the Chiefs get a big return. It sets up the game-winning field goal. That's a, Huber was losing some length, but they could trust him. To, to put the ball directionally uh, where it needed to be. And, and Drew 
Drew typically had really good hang time, but it, it started slipping. I don't know if he was focusing more on where he needed to put the ball, but that started slipping as the year went on. Um, I guess half a season's really not um, that enough time to judge a guy. That's that's why there will be this competition, this camp. But it is such an important position. I mean, you don't want to say it lost them the game, but it it, it, it contributed more than, than what it should have, what the punting game should have to the outcome of that game. And um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Brad Robbins, same thing. He's, he's got a terrific leg. Can he put the ball where Darren Simmons wants it to be put? And can he can he get the hang time? Um, so far, it's looked like it. I haven't taken a stopwatch to practice yet to, to time how long that ball's in the air, but he really gets it up there. And um, the, the preseason games, that'll be one of the big things to watch because you're not going to see the starters. You're not going to see the stars in the preseason, but you are going to see both these punters uh, in game situations and, and can they put the ball where it needs to be you've written some great stuff about how what you alluded to a moment ago players have bought in on this whole thing uh whether it's some of the veteran guys that have been around for a while even with other teams in Ted Karras's case uh or you know Sam Hubbard he got hurt uh the the, the first go around before he had ever even played in a preseason when he showed up here for mm -hmm. for OTAs before he started his rookie year so you know everybody's on board with that I don't think anybody's surprised with that. Uh, players don't want to get run in the ground. I think Sam said something to the extent of, hey, you may not win a game, in, uh, win a job in OTAs, but you can certainly lose a job in OTAs and, yeah. and, and how that plays out. But here's a question I have for you. You know, d does Zach Taylor run the risk of being, you know, second-guessed on this? I, I wouldn't even call it second-guessing. I would call it first-guessing because, you know, here on the program, I was really hard on him for not playing that offensive line together. I don't care if it was two or three or four or five series and might, somebody might say, well, it's not a big deal. And okay, maybe they're right. But I mean, I, I, I think you have to draw some correlation from those guys not playing at all in the preseason to the way they laid an egg the first two games of the year as far as protecting Joe Burrow. Does he open himself up for some criticism here? Yeah, sure. But I, I wonder, I mean, realistically a series or two and a couple preseason games how much of an advantage is that going to yeah. be i mean most of their work and chemistry wise is, is going to come in in practice and training camp and um you, you i just think the risk outweighs the the possible benefits of of getting these guys some time on task um we saw what happened with this line it, it, it's it wasn't a deep line it was an improved line but it wasn't deep and you lose a guy in a preseason game i i think that's where you're opening yourself up to the criticism. And it's not like he's alone in this. There's, it's kind of the way the league is gone. I mean, some teams are still playing starters in the preseason, but more and more you're seeing – it used to be like the starting quarterback would never see action. And now you're seeing more and more the starters just sitting out until the, the, the games start for real. I, I still – I go back to last year and the two things about this. One, if, if you're going to criticize the, the, the country club mentality of the offseason – for the slow start i think you also have to ask yourself did that contribute to them going 10 and 0 down the stretch yeah. were they fresher because of that when other teams are starting to wear down and they were playing the best football not just last year but i mean i since i've been covering the team since 2012 and really watching longer than that that was an incredible run so i i just I think that there's pros and cons, and as long as they're making deep playoff runs, I don't see Zach changing anything. And yeah, the O-line struggled to protect Joe, but 
I think a lot of that 0-2 start last year had more to do with the appendectomy that Joe had and the time he missed and the time, not just him mechanic-wise and getting in sync with the receivers, but with his offensive linemen and making protection calls and all that kind of stuff. It was just a really unfortunate situation. And we're still, this finally, this is the first normal offseason for Joe Burrow uh, since he arrived. I mean, he came in in COVID and then he was coming off a knee injury and it's just... There, there's there's been something every year so we'll see we'll see how it plays out this year I, I it's I guess anything you do as a head coach you're opening yourself up to criticism but as, as long as they're they're making these deep runs in the playoffs I don't see Zach changing anything uh any movement uh from what you understand we've talked forever and a day about these contract extension possibilities uh, everybody feels like they're going to get done you and I've talked about yeah. that before but any movement there with Burrow Higgins anybody else no, it doesn't sound like it. And and Higgins and, and Logan Wilson, if if either happens, I, I think are, they're going to be after Joe. And there just doesn't seem to be any urgency on either side to get this done. I mean, sure, Joe wants to wait and see if Herbert signs first, and then he can top him and be the highest paid guy for an offseason. But the, the team also doesn't seem to be any kind of rush. They they it, It's not a an if it's a win kind of thing and they typically the, this team has you, you're looking at that window of a week before camp starts to a week after camp starts that's when they hammer out most of of these extensions so i just think that there's patience in play here i, I don't think there's any snags so to speak it, it is a big question is is not the the total compensation it's how they're going to structure it and i i just I think they're both sides are are taking it slow and making sure they get it right and and waiting to see what happens elsewhere. And I, I know uh, fans are eager to see it get done, but there, there's really no benefit to to hammering this thing out right away. They're just gonna I think they're gonna go in after next week after minicamp. They take that five six week break, and then when they come back for training camp, I think that's when you'll see the negotiations heat up. And I I'd, I'd be surprised if they got more than a week into training camp and there wasn't a deal done yet. Okay, uh, you know, everybody continues to wonder about the whole Jonah Williams thing. Uh, he, he's not, it's not mandated that he's here right now. He's coming off the, the, the knee surgery and, and, and played through it uh, initially last year and then was unable to do so the second time it happened. Um, you fully expect him to be here or not be here next week? Uh, yeah, I would expect him to be here. Uh, it's mandatory. Uh, I, he he would get fined. I'm, yeah. I'm not honestly. I don't know what the fine would be, but I I, I think that's been the whole point of this is he's he's skipping the voluntary stuff. I do expect him to be here next week for the the mandatory mini camp, and then I fully even if he were to some reason skip that next week, those three practices, I still I fully expect him to report to training camp because that's then it comes up every day you miss you start getting fined. Those start adding up and. He's not going to leave $12.6 million on the table. And if he did, number one, he'd be losing $12.6 million. Number two, he'd still he'd be in the exact same position next year. He he would he would not all of a sudden enter free agency. He would still be under contract to the Bengals for another season next year if he elected to sit this one out. So he'll be here. It's just a, a matter of when. And right now it looks like Jackson Carmen's their their number one guy at right tackle. Be interesting to see next week if, if we do see some 
11s or even team drills on air, how they rotate those guys. Do they immediately put Jonah in as the number one guy or do they go with Jackson and then kind of work Jonah in slowly? And it is going to be maybe the biggest story of training camp when they come back at the end of July is, is can Jonah play right tackle um, and, and what are they going to do there? Uh, you still have L.C. Collins sitting out there. Yeah, a lot of options at right tackle, and uh, they've got to get that one sorted out. The rest of the line is pretty is, is set. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt the rest of the line. I, I just wonder, and, and look, uh, you, you know, Jay, you, you've covered this long enough to know, and I mean, I'm not telling anybody anything that they don't know already. Money somewhere along the line has to play into this decision. Now, how much, I don't know. I'm not down there. But when you're paying one guy almost $13 million and you're getting the other guy who's in his third year in the league who's just making whatever he's making, I mean, yeah, Carmen might be out there right now. Collins is hurt. We know that. Williams isn't here. How much do you think at the end of the day that money could play a factor or the factor in this decision? Well, I mean, if 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 Jackson Carmen clearly outplays Jonah Williams, then then he becomes expendable. But it would be it would be a, a trade option. Uh, you you wait and see. Maybe a team loses a tackle in, in training camp, and then they would all of a sudden have some interest. Uh, a lot of this depends on where LC is in, in his recovery. If they feel good about him being ready. Uh, mid-season or a few weeks, six weeks into the season, uh, maybe pop him for the first six weeks. All that comes into play. But there again, even if a team is desperate, and all teams are desperate for O-linemen, it's just the way the league is gone. But that is still a big number, that $12.6 million. So I, I think there would be there would be interest uh, in, in trade from other teams, but that maybe the Bengals have to eat part of that salary and then trade him and the other team absorbs the other half. I don't know how that would work, but I, I don't think – I don't think the the twelve point six million dollar number on Jonah is going to affect at all the decision on who's your starting right tackle is, but it, it will affect the decision if, if if that tackle is not Jonah, what they do with them because that's that's a really expensive backup, especially if you're thinking about keeping LC around too on on his number, which is around ten million. You know, I I just feel like Jay and look, maybe the guy's built up enough cachet, for lack of a better term, or trust from his teammates because he's been out there, he's played, he's played hurt. Talking about Jonah Williams, yeah. uh, and he's played left tackle the last last number of years. So maybe I'm guessing, uh, you know, the, the the players look at this as just the business side of the sport, right? But mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, I boy, I gotta tell you, I. I I just feel like the guy has really missed a chance here on multiple levels. And you can say he's going to get his money, and that's fine. But I just feel like he's missed a chance here to, you know, maybe get in here and and sit down with fill in the blank, right? And maybe he's doing it on his own. Maybe he's talking to Willie Anderson every day on the phone. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But to get in here and start learning some of the big differences of of moving from left to right. We had Willie Anderson on the program here two weeks ago. He said it was an unbelievable difference moving Mm -hmm. from one side to the other. uh, In ways that I would have never imagined because I've never been there. Then, you know, the whole thing with... Okay, uh, yeah, it's the last year of a deal, and 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 you know the second that you sign Brown and your agent sending out, I want out of here and I want to get traded. I just feel like this has been a missed opportunity in a lot of ways as it pertains to him individually and as it pertains to the team trying to win a Super Bowl collectively. Am I wrong? 
No, I mean, I think it would have been good for him to get in here. I, I think it's a pride thing. You know, it's it's right tackle is a tear down from left tackle. And and it, it's from everything that came out of Jonas Camp, he, he, he was most disappointed, not about the move itself, but that he was blindsided by it. And everything we've heard from the Bengals is it wasn't like this was some great plan that that they kept him in the dark on. The Orlando Brown Jr. thing came out of nowhere. Is all of a sudden these other guys start signing elsewhere that they thought they were going to get back, that they thought they were going to put money toward, and they go to other teams, Von Bell, Samaje Pirine, and then all of a sudden you're holding this cash and you get a phone call and says, would you be interested in Orlando Brown? So it's not like the Bengals intentionally kept Jonah in the dark. And then the other thing too is he is going into a contract year and right tackles don't get paid as much as left tackles. So if he, yep. if he goes in and he plays well at right tackle this year, then all of a sudden people say, hey, he's a right tackle. He played way better at right than he did at left. So he's a right tackle for the future. So that's going to affect his future earnings. So I, I get the the where he's coming from, but um, it, it would have it would have behooved him to come in and, and, and get started and all that. But again, like I, I've been talking about, what really would he have gained technique-wise because they haven't done anything. It's just been position drills. It's been working on footwork and hand placement and, and all that that just monotonous stuff that he's been through for four years anyhow. So um, I I do think when he reports, there's not going to be any ripples. He's not going to cause wave. He's going to come in. He's going to be a good teammate. He's going to work his ass off, and he's going to try to win the job. Um, and I don't think there's going to be any hard feelings on either side but uh, I do think this is probably going to be the last year we see Jonah in stripes. Do you think Dalvin Cook piques the interest of the, uh, of the Bengals at all? Uh, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's, it's funny because there's that dynamic there of the alpha, the starter, all that. And, and you've got a good tandem now with Joe, be, Joe Mixon being the incumbent and then the rookie Chase Brown. I go back to, to last year when um, they let uh, – Larry Ogunjobi walk, and then they signed B.J. Hill to this huge deal. And then Larry Ogunjobi's deal in Chicago falls through, and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, would they bring him back cheaper? And the Bengals just had no interest in doing that because it creates such a weird dynamic where you've got you, – you picked one guy over there, and this and B.J. would have been making so much more money than Larry. And I just think that's the case with Dalvin Cook, too. I, from a fantasy football perspective, yeah, load up your your backfield with as many quality backs as you can. But the, the Bengals really had no interest in Ezekiel Elliott. That was all manufactured from Elliott's camp about him trimming his list to three or whatever, and the Bengals were on that list. Um, I just... I just would be surprised to see them bring in Dalvin Cook. It's not that Dalvin Cook couldn't help this team, but it's just that weird dynamic. The, uh, the chemistry, the construction of a roster is kind of a fragile thing. And when you've got something going that's so good, do, do you want to take a chance? And that's not to say that Dalvin would be a problem if he came in, but there's there's touches issues and there's, you know, who's the lead guy, all that kind of stuff would play in. And I, I think the Bengals are, are happy where they're at because they're, they're going to keep Joe Mixon. Um, I, I don't think he, we're going to see him play this year on a $10.6 million uh, tag, but uh, I think a pay cut's coming. Maybe if that comes to an impasse, then they would have an, an interest in Dalvin Cook. But assuming Mixon's on this roster, I just I don't see them going after Cook. All right, Jay, we, as always, thank you so much for your time and your yeah. expertise. I hope you have a great weekend, and it uh, looks like you've been getting some sunshine. So uh, get that sunscreen on there, my man.
Took an impromptu off day yesterday. Uh, uh, the Reds' excitement got to me, so I just I took a, I call I texted my boss Wednesday night. Said, "Hey, I think I'm going to take a PTO day tomorrow and go check out the excitement." And of course, I saw a dud of a game, but I got to sit in the sun, and it was a nice day at the park. There you go. All right, Jay. Thanks so much for your time, my man. Have a great all right, weekend. Thanks, Tom. All right, Jay Morrison from the Athletic. Great publication. Talk about it all the time. Uh, I'm a paid subscriber. And I would highly recommend if you're into sports and everybody watching the show, I would assume is into sports. Uh, if not into sports, into getting Reed Mouse fired. The the people are coming out at me. They, it, they've collectively did this today. I mean, you know, it, it generally is a part of um, of uh, the player formerly known as Mouse Cops, uh, you know, shtick. But yeah. but why everybody else? I don't. It's become it's become a shtick in the chat, and I wear it on the chin. And it's just someday I'm gonna get fired, and I'll just be out on the streets, <laughs> and the chat will be happy. I mean, even Abraham is in here. Abraham, I like when Abraham comes in because when he comes in, it is strictly positive Reds news or fire read or DFA read. Well, Drew Garrison says I stand with you, Reed Mouse. Even if it isn't the popular thing to do. We need more people with, with integrity. That's what integrity is all about. When, when the group is going one way, you stand up for what's right, and that's what Drew Garrison's about. He stands up for what's right, and that's me having a job. Paul, you're also taking somewhat of a beating from time to time. Casey not being here. Everybody's saying Casey deserves a raise. Yeah. You know? Well, so I've been trying to – get all the buttons down this week and I think by Friday now today I've finally kind of gotten everything under my belt and of course that means Casey comes back on Monday but that just means that next time I got to sit in this chair it's gonna be better than ever that's the way I look at it Tom is is Casey back Monday should be so Casey is currently in the YouTube chat <laughs> and uh I told him go enjoy the last day of his vacation we got everything covered here but he is currently watching the show in the YouTube chat and uh he is supposed to be back on Monday. You know what? Maybe he just extends the vacation for a couple of days. You know what? Why not? Nice weather down there in Florida. and Why not? Why not? I understand today's the day we're going to get hit here in town with all this uh, aftermath from the Canadian fires, right? Isn't that rolling into oh, really? Cincinnati? Uh, is, well, it's been bad. Yesterday's air quality was the worst it's been through the week. But so I, I thought guess it's today just and gradually. tonight was supposed to be really bad. I thought I heard that on the radio driving in. Yeah. Mm. Um, so be careful out there, okay? They, they, they give you these warnings for a reason. Um, it could dramatically affect, as we talked about in the monologue, whether or not they're going to have uh, baseball in D.C. They were canceled with the Diamondbacks, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and there's talk about what they're going to do with Belmont. The Belmont this weekend. And we'll have uh, Dan Crone a little bit later on uh, to talk about that and coming up in about – 20 minutes, Colin Babowski. The Big Babowski. The spinoff of The Big Lebowski. Mm -hmm. Is that a favorite of yours? I love The Big Lebowski, Tom. Do you like it? You know, it's been so long, I really don't remember it. I, I have to say. You a big fan of that, Paul? Yeah, it's Lebowski? also been a long... Oh, God, it's been... Yeah, I can't forever. Even, I honest to God can't remember. It's been probably eight, nine years. Since have you, you ever had a white Russian? No. I feel like you'd like one, Paul. 
I used know, to make those when I was think. a bartender at Ohio University. That, that back in the day, that was a popular drink, a white Russian. I mean, it, it's basically a milkshake. Vodka and what? Heavy cream and, yeah. and coffee liqueur. Yeah. It's, yeah. Basically, it's basically a milkshake. Yeah, basically. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, Elliot, are you old enough to remember or have watched The Big Lebowski? I've seen it once. It was a long, long time ago. Uh, but I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Uh, who is it? Buscemi? Was that was he on the bowling team? With, yeah, uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, I'm yeah. a big I'm a big Buscemi guy. So yeah, I I I like the Big Lebowski because of Buscemi, not Jeff Bridges, which I also like, but Buscemi. Yeah, there's a there's a fan theory that Buscemi's character isn't real. It's a figment of uh, really of Goodman's imag- Goodman's character's imagination because he is. Never referred to in the entire movie by the dude, the main character, Steve Buscemi's character. They never, they never interact, even though they're in multi, countless scenes together. The only person that interacts with Buscemi's character is John Goodman's character. But oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool, though. So it sounds to me like you've watched this movie a lot more than once or twice. Dom, I think it's one of the funniest movies that I've ever seen. It is, it is very dry humor, and it is genuinely hilarious. I love, I love the Big Lebowski. How many times do you think you've seen it? Uh, a baker's dozen at least. At least 13 times. No kidding. Yeah, easily. Okay. Yeah, Jordan asked me, Tom, you tended bar. Yeah, I did it as a job in college for two years. Back when the drinking age was 18. That was a big league gig. What was your favorite drink to make? Or least favorite, I guess. I- the one where you just open the can of beer and hand it to you. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> you know, when you get those people packed, and I always feel, I, I feel for the bartender, I feel for the guy like me who's waiting in line behind them. When you get people that walk up to the bar and say, I'll have, uh, you know, I'll have uh, two white Russians and, uh, you know, two or three, um, what are the mule things? What are those? Moscow mule. Moscow mules, you know, and all that. And, 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 and everybody stand behind that dude just wants a beer. Right. And the bartender's just like, come on. I get it. Everybody's entitled to get what they want to get. They're paying for it. I, I get it. But it's kind of like when you go in, and I'm not a, a, a Starbucks guy. I'm a UDF coffee guy, not because they're a sponsor of the show. That's just where I go every day to get coffee. Never been a Starbucks guy. Yeah. Too acidic for me. But when, like, you're at the airport, maybe it's the only place open. Sure. Right? Sure. And you're trying to make your plane, and, you know, these two or three women in front of you are just like, Oh, can I please have the mocha chip with, uh, you know, 2% blah, 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 and the sprinkles and whatever. And you're sitting there going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just want to get a cup of coffee and get the hell out of here. You ever been in that spot? Yeah, my wife goes to Starbucks quite frequently, and she always asks me if I want something. And sometimes I say, yeah, and she gets, you know, this ice caramel macchiato with all this stuff in it and she's like what do you want i was like large black coffee please that's all i need that's it it's frustrating sometimes but now paul's friends who are like the white claw guys oh yeah uh, or you know those guys you know you're okay you know with the hey get the two percent instead of the one percent you know all that, that that special order kind of crowd you're okay with that group i've never had a cup of coffee in my life no, I'm saying, though, you're okay, though, if you're with someone who's ordering that, despite oh. the fact that everybody behind you just wants a black cup of coffee. 
Everybody's entitled to whatever they want to get, Tom. You're right. You're right. You're right. right. I don't mind standing in line, though. I'm a man of patience. I I try to limit because I I do enjoy a Moscow Mule, but I won't order one. I'm kind of like Tom. Like, I'm not going to sit there and order some elaborate drink. If there's, like, a crazy line behind me. What's elaborate about a Moscow Mule? It's two ingredients. It's it's vodka, and then you crack open ginger beer and pour it in. It's, It's no different than a vodka soda. It's just two ingredients. Yeah. Not I'm, like an old-fashioned where you gotta gotta muddle stuff. Yeah, you're right. You're like right. That. You're right. You're right. That's right. I'm a sucker for a Moscow Mule. Moscow El- Mule. Elliot, are you old enough to drink, Elliot? I am. I am old enough to drink. I'm not a big drinker though. I don't drink often. I I, I, I truly don't. I, if I have any, I, unfortunately, I will have the White Claw. I'll go for the White Claw. I'll get a little fruity juice in me. I'll, he's a high nooner. High We've, nooner. Yeah. You don't know this, Elliot, but we we we've uh, the chat has been. Hard on people that drink a nice white claw. Tom, Tom will never. Those those lips will Tom, never touch Tom, a white claw. Tom, what do you claw. drink? Just a whiskey? Just no, a whiskey, I'm, I'm no a beer rocks? drinker. I'm a beer drinker. Okay. Common man with a common palate. Okay. Good cold beer. I'm good. Tom, I mean, come on. It's 103 degrees out. Hot. A white claw doesn't sound nice. Just no, a little exactly, seltzer no, water. No, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I mean, that's fine. That's the kind of thing, as I've said before, that's the kind of cocktail or drink that they would drink at Miami of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> not at OU. Not at OU. Not in Athens. No. The OU. Not whatever that place is in Norman, which is actually the University of Oklahoma, but for some reason they go by OU. Mm. National champs, though. Go figure that one. Right. Go figure that. All right, I want to get back, though, to, to the Reds for a minute because we got uh, Colin Babowski coming up here in a minute. Um, did you, Elliot, read some of the comments made by Clayton Kershaw? He kept them brief about David Bell. I did. I what did. was your impression? I asked a question earlier and really wasn't looking for an answer then, but I am now. Sour grapes, the Dodgers lost two out of three. What? I, I do think I, I don't think it's sour grapes. I think it's a fair gripe. I, I think there are unwritten rules in baseball, and whether whether or not you like to admit that unwritten rules exist, they are there. Teams play by them, most of them, and I, I think David Bell broke one there. I, I don't think it made sense to intentionally walk a guy, resulting in Austin Barnes getting plunked. Austin Barnes is Kershaw's main guy. I think he's his only guy. Kershaw only pitches to Austin yep. Barnes, so he is a fair gripe. He is a fair gripe, and. If he took a personal shot at David Bell not being a great manager this series, could it have been fair? I don't know. Maybe. If I was David Bell, I certainly I, I wouldn't be happy with one of the best pitchers maybe of all time calling me out like that. But I, 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 would, I would side with Kershaw on that, I think. Thoughts? Uh, Paul, you got any thoughts? I, <laughs> I think the biggest story here is just that Kershaw felt strong enough to say something. What he said, it is what it is. It was the last day of the series. Ah. But I think the bigger story here is you just never really hear him say anything. And the fact that he felt strongly enough to come out and say that, I think that's that means something. Now, I don't have much of a take on it because I didn't really spend a whole lot of time thinking about it because I just didn't feel like it was that big of a deal. Series is over. This was the first game of the series, though. That might have felt a little different. Like, if he'd have pitched game one and all this, and then you still have two more days, and then you kind of see how the series goes. But unless you – know, when when does Cincinnati go to L.A.? Uh, the last three days of July. Yep, okay. end of July. So 
not all that far away. It's not like they're going there in the end of September. But it's just kind of something to keep an eye on. I, I didn't read too much into it. Okay. I've, I've always hated when umpires – or umpires, managers, coaches in baseball, and period, argue every call. And David Bell comes out of the dugout a lot. He really does. And he gets animated at times. I think he's already been ejected four times this season. I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent in just chirp from the dugout. If you need something, if, if you have a discussion about a rule, then you go out there and talk. But just calls on the field, I, I don't need to see you go out there every single time and argue everything. I know that's not what Kershaw is arguing about. He's arguing about the, the, um, the intentional walk. But David Bell has kind of rubbed me the wrong way in the fact that he's always coming out of the dugout, always prolonging the game, always has to talk to the umpire. I, I just have never been a big fan of that. You know, I, I think the issue a lot of people had the other night when he got run is not because we put the numbers up um, two days ago of the home plate umpiring that night. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, it was like 91% accuracy rate that night, which is a, a low number um, for uh, an umpire on any given night around baseball. Um I think the problem a lot of people had was, look, if David Bell wants to come out and he's completely justified and was backed up statistically, analytically, that calls were being missed. If he wants to come out of the dugout and melt down and go off on the umpire, that's fine. But you can't do it after the pitch was correctly called. Right. I right. mean, the one pitch that set up him getting run was a strike. It was called a strike, and it was a strike. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's coming out of the dugout. He's going ballistic. And everybody who just saw the replay, they're like, dude, you could have done this 15 other pitches in the game. But you're doing it on the one where the guy actually got it right. You know, it just looks bad. I, I agree. I, I've never understood going out there for balls and strikes anyways. Well, what you're are technically you, not allowed. That's when you get run. Correct. What are you going to change? I think if you come out of the dugout, you should have a purpose to come out of the dugout. You shouldn't just be out there to disvoice your or voice your displeasure. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, you can go out there and argue balls and strikes. All you're doing is just yelling at the man. He's not going to go like, okay, you're right. It's a ball now or it's a strike now. Change their mind. You're not going to change their opinion. So just stay in the dugout, you know, chirp a little bit here and there. Just like, that's terrible and move on. You're not going to change everything. If you come out of the dugout, you have to come out with a purpose. And if your purpose is to get thrown out of the game, I would say you're not a very good manager. Uh, Nick Kirby says he thinks it's more embarrassing that Kershaw requires a personal catcher who has a very low OPS. Okay. Um, I think Clayton Kershaw can do whatever the hell he wants to do. I agree. I mean, that dude's 204 and 91 with a 2.5 career ERAs, won three Cy Young Awards. I don't care if he wants uh, Betty White behind the plate. I agree. <laughs> right? I agree. And that would be uh, real news because I think she just passed. Yeah. I, to quote a few, a, a few good men, um, what, what's the quote? I believe he's earned it. Yeah. I believe he's earned it. <laughs> yeah. He has definitely earned it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Wait, Tom, Tom, yes. I, I can't let you go right this second. I, I had somebody reach out to me on Twitter yesterday very quickly that wanted your take because we never got your take on what you would do with the home run ball Yeah, from Ellie De La Cruz. You asked all of us, but we never, we never got back to what you would do with the ball. I want, I, I'm going to ask him point blank, and this is non-negotiable. This is not – I mean, this is either yes, you're in, or we move on and just say goodbye. 
I ask him for four lifetime season tickets. That's it. Right there on the spot. If they say yes, here's your ball. Good luck. I'll take my they say no, it's coming back to the house with me. That's End of story. And we're not wasting any time on this nonsense. I don't care about the picture. I don't care about the batting gloves. I don't care about the uh, bat. I don't care about any of it. That's all nice. But these are the options. Four season tickets, as long as, as I'm alive, right, to Reds baseball. Love it. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. How much is a season ticket in it? And, and I'm not talking about Diamond Club, so I'm not talking about anything like that. Like down, down the line somewhere? Even in like... the outfield is fine. Okay. I'm not, I... not going to go over the top on this thing. I think the cheapest you can get, so like bleacher seats, which I know that's not what you w- w- would want. Bleacher seats are like eight hundred and ten bucks a ticket because it's like ten bucks for the season. Yeah, ten bucks a ticket for eighty-one games, so it's like okay, eight hundred and ten dollars. So all right, so you're looking at thirty-two hundred bucks, right? That's yeah, that's cheapest you can for get for four of them. Yes. Okay, cheapest you can get. So let's let, let, let's say you pick something that was eleven hundred. Okay. So you're sitting so you're, in the outfield. You're at forty-four hundred, right, right, per year. Okay. All right. I don't. I don't think that that's that's outrageous. Some might say I'm 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 way out of line here. All right, Ham and Eggers. We got Colin Babowski coming up at eleven. The young man, a LaSalle Lancer, much to the chagrin of Reed, Baden guy, Elliot, Elder guy, me Anderson guy. Paul Country Day something or another guy. <laughs> John Paul the Great. Come on, Ham and John Eggers, Paul take it away. Come on. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Thank you for the introduction, DT47. We were talking a lot of Bengals. We were. So that was the Bengals Report, which is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And you know we got to do the other ad read. Pawnee Water. They were selling it yesterday at the River's Edge Concert Series. You can get it. Pretty much anywhere here in Butler County, go to the gas station to find it. And it's just the best alkaline water on the market. And alkaline water, as you know, has shown to proven to show superior hydration benefits. You can get Pawnee at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. You go to their website. You can figure out where you can buy it. Seriously, guys, it's great stuff. Paul, anything on your mind? Uh, What I do have on my mind is that I have no way – to communicate with Colin, but I see him in the waiting room and he looks great. Colin, you look great. We're going to come out to you in just about five minutes. So we see you. I see you moving around out there. We, you, you're all good. I don't know how to just talk to you. Uh, that's a Casey <laughs> question on Monday. But Casey, I, Colin, I want you to know you're all good. Uh, we are going to bet with Bedfred. We're going to get our coffee from UDF. Damn we're going right. to drink Pawnee water and we're going to get our technology solutions from Encore. Um, but uh, and also like the stream. We only have 26 likes right now, so make sure you go like in the there, stream. like the stream, uh, subscribe to the YouTube show or the, the channel. Read. End of the show. We have the chat power rankings brought to you by the yes. Zebra. Elliot Rearing has given his top five. Um, also, apparently, I'm gonna be. Th- 
putting a pie in Elliot's face? Yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't think it would, it would happen when I said, you know, when I say, oh, we're going to get to 100 and whatever likes. I didn't think it actually happened. Uh, but I have the pie. It's sitting next to me. So, you know, I, I'm prepared to get pied. The last time, now the last time, I, I've been told the last time Reed did this, he broke someone's face. I, yeah, so I did this to Brandon. We did a bet over a Bengals-Steelers game, something along those lines, and I won the bet, and I brought in uh, Marie Callender's frozen pie from Kroger. I let it thaw out all morning. It did not have due time to thaw out, so when the pie went to his face, it was like a brick hitting his nose. His nose was bleeding, so I'm still apologizing to Brandon to this day for that one, but... Can you promise we, that you're not going to break my face? I no, no. promises, but I'm going to try not to. I purposefully went out and bought a pie that wasn't in the frozen section. That would that would have been that's here. the smart move. That here, is the on. right move. So we're going to show everybody what is coming for Elliot here. It's a good looking pie. Look at this. It's a triple cherry. That's a triple cherry pie. Ooh, that, the cherry on top. Yeah, Tom, would you like a piece of the pie before it goes in my face? Uh, no, no, no. I want to make sure we get every single little, uh, you know, cherry in there. Um, we have, when, are, when are we doing this? It's the cherry on top. I guess. Oh, I, I don't, I don't. Is it is it thaw or is it thawing or? I'm it hoping is not it, it frozen. Seemed, I poked it this morning. It seemed lukewarm, so I, I think we're good. I might just Paul. Do you want to do the honors of hitting? Elliot oh, absolutely not, Reed. That's your shtick. <laughs> is it my shtick? It is. Uh, we had one more thing here before we get to Colin, and Colin, uh, we'll, we'll get to him in just a second okay. here. Okay. Uh, the one thing that I do want to say is we, I have seen the super chats that have gotten sent in. I got to be honest, the the chat for some reason is not connected to the to the oh, no. uh, uh, little ability to put the thing down here. The the super chats aren't showing up for some reason on here, but we do want to make sure that we thank. Uh, everybody, I saw Chad put one in there. I saw um, somebody earlier had put one in there too. So do want to make sure that we say a big thank you to everybody that has done that. Um, but we do have Colin in here, Tom, if you want to come out to right, him. I want to just ask one question, though, that was asked in the chat. Yep. Did, did, did he have to buy the pie? Elliot, uh, that's a question for you. Yeah, I did have to buy the pie. There was no – oh, the pie's still on the screen there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did have to go out, and I went last night after work, after a hard day's work. I went out and bought a pie with my own money, and now I'm going to get pied in the face with my own pie. Well, that seems like it's kind of rotten to the core. You having to buy a pie that's going to be then thrown in your face. Let me clarify that I do not want to pie I'm going to reimburse him for the pie. That's embarrassing. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll take him out to lunch. That, yeah, that'll be good. That's fair. I, I want to specify very yeah, clearly. Yeah, Reed's going to keep saying he doesn't want to do I it. I do not want to do this. he's saying it while he smiles. It's kind of sick, really. <laughs> it really it's, is. It's, it's sadistic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sadistic is what it is. <laughs> very know. good point, Elliot. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm 0 for 1 on a, on a pie to the face. If my face bleeds, what happens? Ah, it bleeds. I don't know. You <laughs> wouldn't know. It's a cherry pie. <laughs> All right, we got our man Colin here. We do. I am fired up to talk to this guy. I mean, he was a talk around my house last night. Colin, good morning, young man. Now, you're a student. What grade are you in? Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, am I good audio-wise? You're all you're good, good. Colin. And you got all that right. good haircut going, man. I want to borrow <laughs> some of that hair, brother. Thank you. Um, so I am a, a freshman going to be a sophomore at LaSalle. 
um, 15, and uh, it was my first time volunteering for the uh, VFW golf outing. All right, so I'm going to expand on this a little bit further. Are you a golfer at LaSalle? Yes, I am a golfer at LaSalle. I play varsity in the fall with my brother, who is graduating, who graduated. And, and tell me about your game. I mean, are you a big hitter? Uh, are you? Are, I mean, what's normally your strengths and weaknesses as a golfer, high school golfer? So one thing that's uh, funny that my golf coach kind of gave me was that I hit the ball, my driver, exactly 200, not 199, not 201 just exactly 200 right down the fairway. So uh, accuracy has been a big part of my strong suit. Um, putting and chipping probably could be, you know, a little bit increased. Uh, I think averaged yes, last year at an 89. I'm trying to bring that down to like an 85, 84. Solid, solid. So okay. that's all right. That's okay. All right, so, so then all right, so now let's fast forward. You're a part of this charity event at a VFW, right? Raising money yeah. for a VFW. Is that what it was for? Yes. Uh, it was for veterans of yeah, foreign wars. Yes. And yes. this money, I think, got raised to support veterans that obviously deal with homelessness uh, or struggling issues, PTSD and all of that. Well, there are a lot of them out there, and our, our thoughts and prayers are with all of them and who's, who have served this country and continue to serve this country. So, obviously, you've got a, a, a nice side of you wanting to, to give back. They know you're a golfer. They approach you, and they say, all right, Colin, we want you to do what? What was the deal? So, um, is wait, like the head or like the golfers on the court or the veterans on the court? Well, I mean, when, when they were putting this thing together and then you, you were a guy, I'm assuming for a second here, where you were just at that hole all day long, right? And, and, yes. and people could come there and they would have a decision uh, to have you do what? So they, before the event, you could pay an $80 bundle, which was like 20 per person per group. Um, and if you had that bundle, I think they got some little perks on like uh, maybe mulligans and uh, three of the four par fours. Each person got to hit a ball uh, or each LaSalle golfer got to hit a ball per person on three of the four par threes. Uh, so that was our job. Um, and they come up. All right. They come to me and be like, do you want to hit before, after? Uh, and they chose and many a times I hit before, so I'd hit four shots before them, then they'd hit their four shots, and they'd get to choose which uh, ball they wanted out of that. So they had eight golf balls to choose from on the green or around or whatever. Okay. Um, all right. So how many swings, do you have any idea how many times you hit this shot? It was 142 yards. Is that what I read? It was, it was 145. Or okay, 145. Okay. All right. And now, how many times did you attempt this shot? So, uh, it was a sold-out outing. So, that means there was 36 foursomes. I think I hit around 32 of them. So, 32 times four is 128 shots. Okay. All right. Well, look, you could put Rory McIlroy up there for 128 shots. Okay. You could put Tiger Woods up there for 120. You could put Jack Nicklaus up there in his heyday, 128 shots. And, I mean, it's billions to one that any of those guys could do what you did. And for those who don't know, 
three times you swing the club right in the hole, hole in one. So walk, walk me through each of those. So the, 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 the first group comes up. It, it's how many groups in now? You, you've had a chance. No. How many swings at this point? So, you know, early morning swings in the day, I was, um, the first group came up, they, I think, well, the very first, they didn't pay for anything, so they were kind of going The on. cheap guys, you just let them go and just say, <laughs> get the hell out, move on. Okay, so go ahead. So, yeah, so then the, cause the second group on that hole were talking to me, and they were, they were really friendly, and it was uh, a great conversation. And I had this little draw going at the start, so I think I put around two on the green for them. Uh, the close, but those guys at the end, they were, they were our start were really fun. And uh, they just, it was a great welcome to the morning. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I put one and I think they had a good birdie putt. So I was felt good there. Uh, and then the funny one thing is that that first group, uh, they knew the group behind them and they told me to uh, put a ball in the woods on purpose. So I grabbed the seven iron. I was using a 48 degree to hit on the green and launched it over the green. <laughs> I, felt, I felt a little bad though because then my next three shots uh i couldn't put one on the green so oh, they end up making right. far i felt bad though but and then the third group comes up when this is the one i put it in for and i'm like all right guys i'm gonna aim a little right to see if i can get this draw to play on the green and uh i think two or three shots in i put this draw on the right side of the green and it kind of slopes in slopes in right towards the hole and it was just, you know, throwing the club and high fives and hugs. And these guys were like, I've never seen one. And it was uh, it was just a spectacular moment. And it just made me feel good just to see everybody's happy faces and uh, the reactions. So had you ever had a hole-in-one before? No, I actually had not. The closest I had was a uh, hole-out for Eagle in the fall from at Heatherwood that was like 128 yards. So that was, that was my closest one. Okay. All right. So that's the first one. All right. So now all of a sudden you're like, man, I, you know, I mean, does it get any better than this? And you still got a full day ahead because as you said, you I, know, almost 40 was, groups coming through there. So how long now take us to, to how long you had to wait and then tell us about the second one. So I think the second one was probably closer to the first and the third. So my brother told me before the round, it was going to be like all day. This is going to be a nice fun. Just keep trying to get the hole in one challenge the whole day. And I was, I was ready. So, you know, get one off the start. I was like, okay. I'm like, how do I top that? I go into the second shot uh, or this, I think it might've been the fourth, fifth or sixth, sixth group around there. So not too many later. And many of these groups are approaching me like just high fiving, congratulating, uh, and then the second so word group, words gone all around the course that you've drained one already. Okay, I, so now the told, expectations are climbing, right? So I was as I was told, like they, it just like it was like fire around the course. It just traveled and traveled. So I'm like, oh boy. And many groups, it was funny. Towards the end, were approaching me like, all right, you got one more left in you. And I was like, I'll try or <laughs> I'll put one as close as I can. But uh, the second the second time I put one in, it was. Uh, definitely like what is this like the what are the odds are why how am i doing this or uh and the, it was i knew my one of the people in there was jeff sabers he graduated from the and he knew my mom and dad so their group probably had the best you know for some reaction in terms of 
is pushing me around or celebrating or whatever. But that was probably one of the, my favorite reactions. And it felt good just to you know, know these guys almost personally at a level. And that's something we could celebrate and, uh, you know, bond over. You know, I, I don't know how backed up, you know, we know how some of those things can be and backed up. But, I mean, when you have the first one and, you know, look, the group comes up, you're all high five, and after the first one, they, they off they go, right? And they're going up to the green. And, obviously, I don't think anybody's picking one that you didn't drain to be their shot. So, okay, they got an yeah. ace there. So, um, so I imagine you had to have – maybe you didn't. I don't know. You had to have a minute there where you're just going – I can't believe that just happened. Okay, so so, I, so and, and then it happens again, right? I mean, what, what are you thinking there? Uh, did you have a minute or two by yourself, or were people at that point just racing over to the hole to, like, give you high fives and, and buy you a beer, even though you're only 14? <laughs> I'd have bought you a beer, but I'm not cheap. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe the hole in front. I'm going to see what the hole in front, in front of mine was doing. Maybe they just skip the hole and put a birdie on the scorecard or something <laughs> but uh you know going down obviously i have to there was someone working by the hole and i obviously walked down there i got drove down there uh because i only had like 15 golf balls that i just kept re-getting and it wasn't uh i think i had the golf balls under my bag uh somewhere i had three of them stored and they were they were like pinnacles so they weren't the best but they still obviously worked um so i kept going down there every once in a while and I think after just getting pictures with the groups, it was kind of getting a little backed up. So I was trying to rush to try and get back up there. And when you guys came down, we're like, whoa, 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 slow down there. Let me just drive you back up real quick. We don't want to use your energy. So <laughs> that's uh, funny. Obviously, that's I, I thanked them. And I think the third one was probably, probably, it had like, I think 10 people watching it around that time. Uh, so a little backstory on that one was that the person working the pro shop, I think Aston Oaks really doesn't have an owner that runs it or pro but I had a few guys that kind of sort it so he was kind of working he was like here are the first one he was like oh, okay that's really cool the second one i don't believe it so he gets in a cart and apparently he drives all the way back out and this whole six is like it's probably the farthest away you have to drive the farthest away uh, it's like a three four minute drive from the clubhouse so he comes out and he's like congratulating me he parks it right next to me he's like all right show me what you got and the first shot of this group, because this uh, one of the people who drove me down and like fixed the divots I was making and got all the golf balls, he was really supportive. So I went uh, down there or up back up on the tee, and he was like, "Show me what you got." And I'm like, oh, "A lot of pressure. I have a lot of people watching." And the first shot, I put it under an AC unit of a house so far right. <laughs> it was like, and that was the first shot all day where I'm like, that that was downright terrible right so i was uh, a little nervous after that and i'm like oh boy i'm sorry guys i gotta dial it back in here the second shot i pull it and it misses the green i'm like oh my goodness i need to put something close for this these people and then the third one just run it right down that right slope and it goes in and he was on the you call. have got to be kidding me I know it was he was also another thing was he was on a call with one of the other people that runs it uh so it was he was just telling the pro everyone everyone was getting high fives and happy and it was the fact that you know the dude came out and witnessed one was very uh amazing and all these people watching I think the group behind us was uh 
watching well, so I was like 10 people. And it was, at that point, I'm like, this is just so much, and I, I just can't believe it. I mean, I, it, it's just, has anybody, you know, we were trying to figure, I work with some guys that are basically degenerates uh, from a gambling standpoint, <laughs> and, and, and I'm sorry that you had to even touch base or rub elbows with these guys, even in a phone conversation here. Oh, it was, it was but, funny listening to them. Well, but, but, but no, let me ask you this. Has anybody said to you that they really think the odds of this would be what? I think it was, I well, on a normal hole-in-one, it's just like obviously tens of thousands and then millions. I mean, I you really can't make a number, but it just, you know, just saying that you have wind coming at you, the ball affected, spin, 10,000 blades of grass on the green. A ticket could take a hop on the green. Uh, how fast is coming? I mean, there's so many things that have to be worked out in perfect numbers for it to go in. Uh, so, you know, you could put a shot that it's projected to go in the hole every time, but, you know, something could roll this way, get this bounce. I mean, you can't really predict it. It's just dumb sometimes dumb luck you know you hit so many down there and you have a chance for it to go in so well i you know I, obviously you, you 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 this is this is this is kind of a, a life-changing kind of thing i mean you you're getting i mean just starting with the fact that you're on off the bench right mm -hmm. i mean you start with that but then everything else is set but what, what What's the coolest interview or coolest thing you've done so far about this whole thing or or, or coolest part of all of it so the coolest part, I think, all of it was going back in the clubhouse after uh, because they were serving dinner for all the veterans, amazing veterans out there that came to play in this. Um, so walking, I came back in originally, and then my brother, he was he was two holes behind me, and he's a uh, he's a little older, and he was a uh, he's a little I guess jealous, like, and he was getting a bunch of crap I think for uh, hearing hearing it, and I. I heard at the end he uh, drove back up the hole six or two holes later just to hit a, hit a few shots. He was telling me how close he was. So uh, going back in the clubhouse, I think the first two tables, they were kind of started clapping. And then before you know it, the rest, everyone's standing and applauding. And it was uh, something that I, I don't know if I really, I guess, deserve, but it was uh, something that I enjoyed and it was something that, visually you could remember for the for a long time and it was kind of a in my opinion it's a feel good uh and all that so dude we are really really happy for you uh and we we thank you for your time today uh fellas you want to say anything to uh our our resident uh celebrity here today <laughs> paul no i just want to say congratulations because that's awesome and when i saw it on the news the other night colin i was sitting there and i thought maybe i had heard the story wrong and i just couldn't figure out why this story wasn't all over the place and i said tom we got to get this guy on so appreciate you joining the show tom uh every or uh colin appreciate you joining the show i know everybody here in the in the youtube chat has taken you on as a member of of our show so thanks so much Keep keep that line open. Me, Tom, and Paul might need you for a scramble team yeah, sometime exactly soon. Right, so yeah, exactly need right. Need you soon, Colin. Yeah. Colin, you get him back here real I quick. I got him. Colin, you know, I mean, from now on, when you show up, you got three years left of high school. Uh, yeah, I got it. I mean, are you kidding me? 
you're going to show up and it's like Tiger showing up. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much time I've left, but uh, if I could say one little more story. Sure. So uh, they were doing, they had me stick around for the awards because there was three closest to the pins. Um, and obviously I, I had it wrong at this hole. I actually got to choose to hit for someone. Um, and that shot kind of counts towards theirs. But I forgot to do that. So the closest to the pin was simply just the, the veterans hitting. So um, I think one lady got it down there really close. But uh, when they did the awards, two more of the they, – they called me up for the award, which I was happy about. And they clapped again. Uh, and the people I hit it in for, they each got like 40 bucks. So like two groups got 40 bucks. Um, and they end up slipping it in my pocket <laughs> later on. So that was pretty cool. That's really cool. Uh, and then they called my brother up to, if he had some words for me, uh, any words. So he was talking. He was like, well, I'm going to have to get Mr. Bob Abrams, who ran the uh, – who kind of helps us helps us golf our, our LaSalle players get into it. He's like, well, I'm going to have to get out here for my fifth-year eligibility at, from UC – and uh, and uh, go back to hole six and see if I can do what he did. He's gonna go out the day before and uh, pay the greenskeeper to put it in the exact same spot. So that was a a little funny message that he had, and uh, it was a real thank to all the all the veterans that were there just to support it and the great causes going towards. Well, and, uh, Colin, I'd yeah, say uh, you're, you're a testament to uh, your family and the kind of young man that they have raised, uh, not only just to, to, to the, the way you handle yourself and the way you speak, but, but understanding how important it is to get out there and help others, especially those that have served our country. So, uh, Colin, a big salute from us to you, my man. We yeah, can't thank man. you enough. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, just one, one last comment. Sorry, guys. but Sure. Uh, it was, you know, just kind of looking back at it, it was, I was talking to my mom yesterday. I was driving home from a baseball game, and it was one of those things like, yes, the three hole-in-ones is great, and all, uh, it's all great and all, but uh, you know, when we were watching the news, I, the first time it actually aired on the Channel 5 was 11.27 at night. So that was uh, after the Reds game, so we were staying up. And watching it all like 5 o'clock uh, and 6 o'clock, during the news, it was kind of thing where you saw, you know, you saw some good things, saw some reds, but uh, with the news, you obviously see a lot of, you know, negative things and stuff that, you know, kind of hurts to see. And it was more of a, just kind of looking at it, it's kind of a, in my opinion, a feel-good story where, you know, something good happened, and it's just nice to see that, you know, some good things can happen in a world where there's so much more uh, negativity than positivity. So Amen that's that. just one of my last things that I had to say. Well, I'm glad you did. Colin, thanks so much for your time, man. All the best this summer. Enjoy your summer. Yeah. All right. See you, buddy. Can't, can't wait to go back and play next year. Absolutely. <laughs> they can't wait to have you back next year. <laughs> All right. How Thank, about you. Our guy, Thank you guys Colin. so much. You're welcome. How about our guy, Colin? It's fantastic. I mean, that legitimately was one of the best interviews we've done in a long time on the show. No doubt about it. That no was, doubt about it. That was fantastic. The the fire read has never <laughs> had more weight than seeing Colin Babowski on the screen because that's the replacement right there. I mean, I he just 
plug and oh, play. Yeah. Plug and play. Well, you know, uh, Drew Garrison says this kid is clearly Paul's future replacement. <laughs> uh, USA veteran, retired. We always salute you, sir. Stay classy, young man. Avoid guys who strive to do stupid stuff. That would be everybody pretty much. I was going to say, that's, it's all of us. Elliot, your thoughts. That, yeah, I, see, a kid like that, he, he makes me look bad in front of my parents because that's the most <laughs> impressive kid of all time. And I, w without, without question, we're all on the chopping block here. He'll have a job here. I, he's, probably better than I, he's probably better than me at anything I do here. So, yeah, Colin, that was amazing. And I will pay you to golf with me anytime. And you, <laughs> I'll just take your score. I just get your score. You know, it's, it's, it's indescribable. And, and that's not an exaggeration to say. Now, would you like Corey, uh, Rory McIlroy's chances? A couple hundred swings up there, whatever it was he, see, he thought it was, mm -hmm. right? Uh, of getting a hole-in-one? You know, I'd bet on that. Sure, maybe. Rory McIlroy was up there, got 150 swings, same hole, right? Uh, yeah, I'd bet he has a chance. Right. It's small, but I'd bet he has a chance. There is not a dude, think of the millions of people who have played the game of golf. Tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people that have played like the, the game of golf. Nobody, I don't think, has ever done that. Anything like that. Now, maybe somewhere... Something like that. But that's just, it's, it's mind-boggling what that kid did. Three holes in one. Huh, what a day for that young man. All right. Um, you know, what, what, there was one thing that was on my mind that I wanted to ask you guys about before we get to uh, uh, Dan Cronin. And, and doggone it, I'm drawing a blank. Um, but we were talking about, here's one thing. You know, in, in a day and age, we were talking about Clayton Kershaw a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and not about the, the David Bell stuff. We're, we're moving on from there. But, but talking about whether, you know, I always find it so interesting how the, the, the analytics crowd out there, right, in baseball, right? Yeah. They want to tell you wins don't matter, right? Wins don't matter. They don't matter, right? Mm-hmm. But they'll be the first one when they see a stat they like. They'll be the first one if it lines up with their analytics to tell you, oh, boy, ah, there's a mark of a, a guy that's on his game. But wins don't matter. But something called war matters more. Wins above replacement. But wins don't matter. Clayton Kershaw in his career in his career is 204 and 91 with a war of 78. Randy Johnson has 304 wins with a war of 101. Anybody who's watched Clayton Kershaw pitch for the last 15 years in the big leagues, it is hard to imagine Okay, that there is someone that's ever pitched in the game of baseball that could have such a significant difference in a cat. Take the wins out, but you're a big war guy. You guys are into yeah. all that nonsense. So, <laughs> so tell me what that means. 
What does that mean? So the very- How can you have a category where wins don't matter, or you get the argument wins don't matter, but now you have wins above replacement as one of your, your holy grail numbers? So you under- do you understand why people don't like the, the stat, the pitching win? Is because it a lot of the time does it, it it has to do with the team around you. It doesn't have to do just with your performance. You know, if if your team scores ten runs every night, you're going to win twenty seven ball games a season. So that's why it's not. It's, it doesn't have to do with your personal performance. But to answer your question about, well, let me interrupt you real quick. Okay. Do you think a guy pitching into the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth innings? Yeah. I don't give a damn how many runs his team scores outside of zero. Yeah. Okay, because he has no chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. But you don't think that that guy has a better chance of winning? Does he have a better chance of winning? No, sir. sir Does he do more for your team winning? Now, certainly, when you when you go, when you have a guy like Clayton Kershaw, you're going to win more ball games because he's that dominant. You know, when when your career ERA is two point five, just a just doing some rudimentary math. We don't do it in public, but that's if he gives up two runs over seven innings, his ERA is going to go up. His career ERA is going to go up. So that's how good he's been. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're great, you're giving your team a chance to win. But the reason that I, I, I don't even know what to say, Tom. I mean, there's guys like Dave Stewart on the 1990 Athletics who won, I think, 27 ball games, and that's because Jose Canseco, Ricky Henderson. <laughs> And, and all these guys were, were putting up nine runs a ball game. He had like a 3.4 ERA that year. That's not that dominant. But that's why people don't like the wins, because it, it has to do it's with... It's pretty doggone dominant. Three runs per nine innings is pretty dominant. In the American League with a DH. Right. DH is used to be pretty good. But then you got guys like Nolan Ryan, who's losing 19 ball games a year because the team he's on stinks. Well, there, there's some truth to that. I'm not saying that there's not some middle ground. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when you stop and think about, you know, we're never going to see ever again. We're never going to see the big, the, the, the big Randy Johnson-like guys anymore. Clayton no. Kershaw is the gold standard. He has 200 wins. Yeah, will we ever see 300 wins again? No. 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 Because guys in your camp, these analytic guys, <laughs> they want to start taking guys out of games after, oh, we can't let him face somebody for the third time through the lineup. Oh, God, batting average jumps from 240 to 290. Got to get him the hell out of there. For some stiff who can't find breadcrumbs to home plate. For the past six decades, Tom, relievers' ERAs have been lower than starting pitching ERAs. Is Clayton Kershaw better than most relievers in the game? Yes. But for the, the average Joe Schmo, when they get to the third time around the order, you yank him because he's not going to be. Andrew Abbott in his major league debut. Yep. They better stayed than Tom with him Somerset. the other night. They did, and it worked out. Strikeout, strikeout, pop-up. It worked out. Oh, God. Stop the bus, as he liked to say. You know where that ends up. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our main man. Look at him. He's shaking his head already. Second time. He's a friend of the program. Danny Hello. Cronin. Danny, how are you, young man? What are you shaking your head about? You're a big baseball guy. Your you dad's a big baseball I- guy. 
I love this baseball talk. See, these young bucks with you, they don't get it. They don't even they don't even know who succeeded Ken Griffey Jr. as the center fielder for Midland in 1988. It was me. Oh, my I had to God. Play, I had to play on the 17-year-old team because some, some bum was playing center field, and I had to wait my turn. <laughs> yeah, but what was your wins above replacement stat that oh, year, no, Danny? No. They can stick all that analytics stuff. I, I go, me and my dad go crazy watching baseball nowadays when, when Bell takes guys out in the fifth and sixth inning to put these bum relievers in. We go crazy. We go absolutely crazy. I could still see your dad getting the serious red ass oh. watching a baseball game. He's how old now? 81. Oh, yeah. I could see him getting chapped. Yep, sits in that chair and just keeps texting me. Can you believe he took him out? <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, let's get to the uh, – let's start with the good news. Let's start with the Belmont. Now, I, I guess it's they, they shut down racing there, uh, Dan, uh, the last couple of days because of the, the whole um, uh, Canadian forest fire stuff and the quality of the air and all that kind of thing. Uh, what are you hearing, if anything, about the chances? Or is it just so much flip a coin at this point of running tomorrow? Uh, it looks like they're going to run for sure. The air quality keeps going going down. That number that they use is down into the 130s, and they're saying it'll be around 100 by tomorrow. So they're going to run today, and uh, if they run today, they're definitely running tomorrow. And I, I think once the Yankees played their doubleheader, that was the end of, of thinking about canceling. Okay. Um, now, we, were, we remember we were talking about uh, Forte, uh, who uh, the, the Colt was scratched uh, the day of the Kentucky Derby and, and, and was a favorite uh, to win that race. It looks like now Forte, last year's two-year-old champion, is going to chance to run. Forte the favorite or not so fast? No, he's definitely the favorite. He, he's the best horse. The, the only question mark is that the long layoff now because he hasn't run since the Florida Derby. Uh, I want to say April 1st it was. So that's a that's a long time to lay up and then run a mile and a half. But, uh, you know, the field's not great. If, if he's who they think he is, uh, he's going to win. It's just a matter of that last furlong. Can some of these horses that are bred better for that distance, can they, you know, just grind him down into the ground and, and catch him? But uh, he's supposed to win. When you say a horse is uh, is trained different or bred different for a longer race, what what goes into thinking and, and what kind of trainer and or uh, owner or whatever would be thinking about or what would be the reason being for training a horse to run longer races? Well, there's a lot of money in those mile and a quarter races as, as they get to three years old and then, you know, if they run as four-year-olds, all the big money races are a mile and an eighth, mile and a quarter. You know, the Belmont's a mile and a half. It's a rare one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the the biggest, uh, most expensive sires in, in our country, Into Mischief, Curlin, Tappet, they're all for distance. They're not for speedball-type horses. Uh, and Forte's out of violence, who really isn't one of those – classic distance sires he's more of a miler type sire so that's why a lot of people are wondering can forte get a mile and a half and that's that's a big question but on numbers and on class and the way the race sets up too he he should sit about third 
behind a couple speed balls that are going to stop. And he should assume the lead when they turn for home. It's just a matter of, you know, can he hold off Angel of Empire and tap it twice who are, who are way more bred to go this distance? All right, well, this is horse racing 101 conversation here because I've always kind of wondered. I think we had 20-plus horses in theory that were going to run. We talked about that, uh, the, the, the unique starting gate that they created for the Derby because of so many horses and so forth. Um, but I think the Belmont only has nine. Why, why do you go from 20-plus in one race to nine in another in the Triple Crown? I think a lot of it is just – so many owners just want to run in the Derby. It's just they want to have the owner's box. They want to tell all their friends they own a Derby horse. So from the time they buy that horse at the auction and they know he's, you know, out of one of those top sires and they paid 200, 500, a million for this horse, you know, that's the whole goal from day one is just to get to the Derby. And there's probably 10 horses every year in the Derby that really don't belong they're not fast enough. They're not good enough. Uh, but they get those points by running third in some race in February, and they're gone. That, that owner's gone. He don't want to hear that he's 50 to 1. Hey, it almost happened to me and Mick. Uh, Mick ha has a horse named Henry Q that that uh, won the Mind That Bird at Sunland Park. I mean, that that's like not even as good as turf wet. And if he would have won the next race at Sunland Park, he'd have qualified for the Derby. Well, he would have been 100 to 1. And we knew that. But if he would have qualified, we were going. Because I wanted to make that walk next to my dad. And that that's the only reason we were going. And there's so many owners out there like that, that it might be their only time to get to make that walk with their family, their friends, their co-workers, you know, whoever they threw in their 500 bucks, you know, to get a toenail of the horse. They want to make that walk. So... The Belmont's not like that. You know, it's a mile and a half. It's a grind. There's a lot of horses that have been ruined running in, running in the Belmont because they go that far and something happens and they're never the same. Uh, so it's a risk running a mile and a half with a horse because especially some of these horses that aren't, they're, they're bred to go long, but they might be really bred to go on turf and they're running on that big sandy track and they get their heart broken and they're, and they're never the same. So um, that's why a lot of owners back off and say, eh, I don't, mile and a half's a little too far. We'll wait for Saratoga where there's some mile and an eighth races for a lot of money. And when you got a horse at that level, you do have to think about the money and the future of the horse. Um, like my brother's taking his to, to the Ohio Derby. It's a mile and an eighth. They could have run in the Belmont, but why risk it? You know, you're, you're looking at a $200,000, $300,000 purse, you know, at a way lesser race and not risk, you know, running that mile and a half where you might break that horse's heart. All right. Um, I, I want to shift gears a little bit now to what, what is becoming, unfortunately, um, uh, a, a very, very dark topic here in, in horse racing. Um, and, and I want to start off by, by asking you this simple question. And, and the topic we're going to talk about is all the deaths we've been hearing about and reading about in recent months, years, so on and so forth. But before I get to that, I want to ask you for a guy who's in the business and you and your brother and your family and some friends of yours, um, 
You know how it works, Dan. A lot of times people get lumped in with everybody else that does the same thing they do for a living. How much has this hurt or affected you? Oh, it has. I mean, I've gotten a lot of people that don't know anything about horse racing that'll just walk up and say, man, what's going on with those deaths? What's going on with those deaths? They killing horses? What's going on? They don't understand. And, and you know, it, it's hard to explain sometimes. It really is because, you know, the national media only comes around for a month and then they usually leave. Well, now because of a few deaths, they're not leaving. And then they're digging and digging and digging and trying to find, you know, when they start to dig, they can find anything they want to find. And then half the media just makes up stuff they just want to make up. So, you know, you get into all that other stuff and everybody gets lumped in. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 affected my business for sure. I mean, our our sales for the Derby were way up and then our sales have, have really uh, pummeled uh, off because so many people are, you know, I, I get these emails, I'm just disgusted, I'm not betting anymore. You know, and they just, they just get lumped in and then by August they'll all be back. But, you know, <laughs> it's the old saying, you just got to run away for a while and then come back and, and everybody will be gone and leave you alone. Okay, now Churchill Downs uh, has effectively shut down. Um, yes. After a safety review had 12 deaths in five weeks, seven of them in that run-up, to the Kentucky Derby. What is going on? Is this a Churchill Downs problem? Is this an industry problem? Is it a problem all the way around? I'll tell you what, I, I, it's really, it's, it's, it'd take me an hour to go through it all, but it, it's more of an industry problem than Churchill. It's not the Churchill Downs surface. That was a bunch of malarkey. Um, it just... You know, and I said this to somebody the other day, you know, you might go a year without knowing anybody that dies. And then you go to five funerals in a month and a half. It, it just, it, it happens and horses die. And two of them died of heart attacks. They did the, they did the, you know, what they call the autopsy for the horse. And uh, they found nothing. They don't, they don't know what happened. It just, they died. And, you know, a couple of them had, had broke their ankles and, and, and tendons and things like that. Unfortunately, with a horse, unlike humans, we can't fix that. So, you know, once a, a horse breaks his ankle, they have to put him down. And, you know, you don't get to just sit out a week and come back and play in the next game. Um, unfortunately, I mean, that's just the way it is. But one thing that's happening in horse racing that, that a lot of people don't know about is Haiza. H-I-S-A, it's the horse racing integrity safety uh, stuff going on that the government's now involved in, which I don't like. Because when you get the government involved in your game, nothing good to me happens. And what they did is they came in and they they are trying to clean up the illegal drugs. And that's fine. But they're also taking away therapeutic drugs. Well, if you're an eight-year-old gelding that runs at Belterra that's run 110 times, you need your therapeutic drugs. Well, when you come in and you just start taking all that away, it might cause some breakdowns because now these horses are running without drugs that they've run a hundred times with. So, you know, there has to be a happy meeting. You can't just come in and say, well, we're cleaning the game up. We're taking all the drugs out. And, you know, my dad said this to a guy the other day, I kind of chuckled. He said, you know, when you go up to St. Ignatius and you see all them 30 and 40 year olds playing basketball on Sunday morning and there's 20 guys lined up, how many of them do you think already took Advil before they started to play? 
And how many of them do you think need it when they walk out of there? Well, the NBA guys may not need it, right? But the church league guys certainly need it. They need their Motrin. They need, they need everything to just jog up and down the floor with their buddies once a week. Well, that's the horses at Belterra and Turfway and Indiana Grand. That's 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 who you're getting. You know, you're not getting LeBron James. You know, that's the Derby horses. You know, the regular nine out of ten horses need their therapeutic meds, and if they can't get them, you're going to see shorter fields. You're going to temporarily see more breakdowns, and that's what we're seeing. You know, until either the horses get used to it over a course of years. Um, you know, or they invent some some more meds that Heiser will allow them to have. And uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. Heiser rushed in and took everything away, and the tracks are all trying to adjust. I mean, there's so many four and five and six horse fields right now because the, the, uh, the veterinarians aren't letting any of these horses have what they need, so now they can't enter. So now we're to catch 22. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of things, Tom, going into this. That so temporarily you're going to see a lot of shorter fields until they figure this out. I don't know, uh, Dan, if you know the name uh, Fred Hudson. Now uh, apparently he's a standard uh, uh, standard bred trainer. He's CEO of the Harness Racing Alumni Association and 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 an organization that's been related to thoroughbred racing for a long, long time. He is quoted in today's New York Post as saying on and on and on um, that that the spate of these uh, equine deaths um, is not a fluke. He says that, that, that whether it's shock wave therapy, joint injections, things you're talking about, reducing pain, inflammation, all this sort of stuff. But the illegal drugs, he's saying somewhere between 40 and 60 percent of racehorses are being doped. Are you buying that? I'm not buying that. I'm, I'm not. Now, if you told me 40% of the upper echelon horses, you know, the great at stakes horses, the NBA level horses, you told me that, I, I might believe you. But the everyday grinder at Turfway, at Belterra, number one, those trainers don't have that kind of money to, to buy that stuff right. and to get stuff. You know, they're barely making enough to feed the horse. So I, I don't see that. I, not not in the claiming ranks. I, I don't think at the lower level claiming ranks that's happening. Uh, maybe at the graded stakes levels it's happening. Um, there's trainers that are rumored to be doing it. And yes, they're they're testing nonstop now. Um, you know, and, and other trainers that haven't had great success uh, that are were just like Bill Mott, for instance. He's a Hall of Fame trainer, but his percentages have never been off the charts. They've always been in the 20% area. Well, he's winning almost 10% more since all the drug testing has come in. So, I mean, does that mean that he found something that nobody's testing for? I doubt it. I mean, he, he's got too much integrity. I think it's just they're cleaning the game up some to where his horses now can win because the dopers can't give the dope anymore. So they're not winning and his horses are stepping forward and winning. So, I think that it, we're going in the right direction. You just got to be careful. I, I don't like the fact that they keep taking away drugs like Lasix that horses need, especially the 90% of claiming horses that, that are the backbone of this game. You can't come in and start taking that drug away um, just because the politics of it. You know, it's like they picked 
what they just came in and said, well, we don't like that drug, so we don't want it anymore. Um, and there was no medical basis behind it at all. Um, and I'll argue with anybody on Lasix. Uh, Lasix should be in any horse that needs it because bleeding is not good for the, the animal. It's not good for the breed. Um, and, and the majority of horses need it, uh, especially the claiming horses. And I think what happens is we look too much at the 1% in every facet of life and we try to cater to the 1%. And the 1% in horse racing is the graded stakes horses, the really, really good horses. Well, that's not the meat and gravy of this game. Um, if you want to take stuff away from them and really test them hard, I get it. They're, all, they're the ones on television. But leave the rest of the horses alone and let them have, let them have their, what I call the Advil for horses. Let them have it um, because we, they need it. Um, and it's humane to give it to them because you don't want them to be sore running around a racetrack. You know, let them feel good and then they can enter and run. And uh, so that's the, that's the arguments going on behind the, the scenes is how do we let this group have it and not this group because we want to make sure that they're not doping. Well, I think it's a great analogy you drew between the guys playing uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, uh, down the street, guys like you and me, as opposed to the LeBron James of the world. All right, last question. No, last two questions. Give me, give me your pick for the race here this weekend. Give me. Are, are you gonna, are you gonna give me the win, place, show? What, what are you giving us this week? Well, I'm gonna give you the cold exacta. Forte is gonna win, and Angel of Empire is gonna be second. That's the six-eight cold exacta. Okay. All right. There you go. Paul, you have any quarrel with that, Paul? You being a, a common degenerate? Absolutely not. I will be taking that advice. Thank you, Dan. All right. That's perfect. All right, Dan. Last question, and this is the most important question. If your dad, Hep, could make that walk alongside you with a horse in the Derby, or let's say win the Derby, you had a horse and your dad could walk at Churchill Downs to, next to you, a horse that won the Derby, or walk off the court with your brother Mick after a national championship for the UCLA Bruins. What's Uncle Hep picking? Ooh. He likes Mick better, so probably the UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. If it was UC, I know it would be Mick. Um, I don't know. It gets closer when it's UCLA and not not our hometown Bearcats. But uh, yeah, I, I think he I think he'd like to, to walk up that ladder and cut the net down with Mick. All right, fair enough. Well, I hope he gets a chance to do both. I mean, God bless him, Danny. Thanks for your time today, man. Have a great weekend. Thanks. All right, Dan Cronin, kind enough to join us. Good stuff there. Well, his dad, man, you talk about a piece of work. When I was, when I was uh, at Anderson High School, we used to play in the same conference back in those days as Oak Hills. Okay. The top two high school basketball teams in the state of Ohio ranked number one and number two in the state back-to-back -back years, Anderson and Oak Hills. Oak Hills was coached by Hep Cronin. Mm -hmm. And we would play twice a year because you're in the same conference. Right. Um, Anderson went into the state tournament two years in a row uh, as a number one uh, team in the state of Ohio, back-to-back -back city championships. Dude, if people think Mick Cronin is intense, 
he ain't in the same world with Hepcron. That dude could coach. But boy, was he intense. Great basketball coach. That wasn't the only place he coached. Uh, but great basketball coach. And we thank uh, Dan for being with us here today. Um, all right. Anything on our mind before the big moment of truth? Well, we do have the chat power rankings. Uh -huh. uh, so Elliot has well, to then go let's, through let's those. Well, then let's get going with so that let's, right let's now. That. So Elliot's going to be the star of the program the last 10, 12 minutes. Yes. No, 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 no. So, We're all the stars of this program. Look at the, oh, the pie's back. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to have the chat power rankings here, and then we are going to uh, finish the show with the UDF cherry on top, which will be Elliot with the cherry pie. And Elliot, you are uh, you are doing the rankings this week. That's right. I was told I was told that I'm in charge of the rankings, so my list is definitive. Yeah, and, I, and I'm ready to announce it. Well, so he gave us a top five. We always do an honorable mention. So me and Paul put our brain together, and, and this is the honorable mention list before we get into Elliot's top Here five. Here we go, everybody. Honorable mention list. Um, we got Chad Waits, who, who came back from the chat. He was, had a two-week hiatus. He came back. Mostly he's in there because he keeps my employment around. He's the only one, a proponent of not firing me. Uh, Alec Wallace. Alex Wallace is a, a Hamiltonian. He's a proud Hamiltonian, so he's always in there. Excalibur Iron Force came back with a vengeance. Yeah. It's good to have him back. And if you guys were wondering, that is, I Googled Nutcutter, and that's what came up, that picture on the left. That looks painful. <laughs> Boy, that does. I think it's a tool for, I don't know. AJ Worse um, also in here. Is AJ Worse Tracy Jones' burner, Tom? I don't think so, but maybe. You never know. Tom, you're a big fan of Real Spirit Cat 1. I am. He's on his game. He is always. Ronnie Smith, he stays focused on the sports talk. This, uh, this show sometimes steers into, you know, the lives of the Ham and Eggers and, and just whatever's on our minds. Ronnie Smith just loves talking sports. There he says we should expand the list to a top 10. There is nothing I love more than Ronnie Smith when he just has a point in the chat and he just powers through. Yes. It's just all caps, whatever he says. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying in the chat. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. He just powers through with his point and makes sure everybody well, knows well, it. I, I got to tell you, I mean, this might be an Elliot thing, but I got to tell you, I mean, you guys are singing the praises of some dude who's in the honorable mention. Well, so <laughs> I was just thinking, Ronnie Smith. Right, Elliot, am I right or wrong? No, he's right. I mean, he's you think you're talking right. about this guy like he's first team all NBA. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Ronnie, Ronnie Smith has a, has a Dusty Baker element to him. Uh, who's, who's another good uh, long, long time? He's just waiting for that. Waiting Doc get, Rivers. Yeah, Doc Rivers. He's waiting for his chance to, to get in here. And he, it's coming soon. Ronnie Smith, there's no one more deserving. He, he's right on the cusp. Jordan Earhart, uh, a Hoosier. So just like Luke Brenneman loves the yep. Indiana Hoosiers. Yep. He's always good. And then Brian B., just a mainstay. Brian B's check. killing you. He, he says, this clown doesn't even know what a nut cutter is. Mm. Whoever put up that, that torture tool to the left there. <laughs> All right. All right, Elliot. Any, uh, you ready to get into this, this top final or this top five? Yeah, I am. Are we going from five or are we going from one? Go from five. from five. Go so five. number five, Elliot. Number five is Mouse Cop. Mouse Cop is a leader of this chat. I love Mouse Cop. Tom loves Mouse Cop. And I like how he patrols Mouse. Read Mouse. So that's my number five. He's a, he's a true legend there. He really does police this mouse over here. And he somehow knows that misspelling my name drives me nuts. Correct. Somehow Correct. knows that. Number four. 
It's a fan favorite of mine. OJ's 94 Bronco. Was he innocent? Was he guilty? I don't know because this is the Bronco. This is not the man. This is the car. So this guy is a, is a legend. I think he's been mean to me lately, actually. But that's okay. I haven't seen him really today. But no, OJ's, he hasn't been around today. No, not today. OJ's 94 Bronco. That's number four. That's a good ranking there for him. Number three is a very negative fellow. Very negative. He's very mean to me. But I think we're going to golf soon. Everett. Everett, he has one name. You just know you're talking about Everett when you say one name Everett. He's mean. He provides no <laughs> happiness in the chat. But I'll tell you what, he's entertaining. And I'm going <laughs> to golf with him soon. It's a big league picture for him, by the way, there, yes, too. Is. Everett also, yeah, it is. Everett, Everett wants to hurt me. Everett is, just, uh, is the biggest proponent of me taking pain for likes. Whenever I offer up, you know, if we get 100 likes, I'll do something to myself. Everett's the biggest fan of it. So you, Everett, this, this pie is for you today. Everett summed up. You put him in. You said he hates me. I love him. Yeah. It's uh, a little bit of Stockholm syndrome going on it. with you and Everett. That's it. Uh, next up, number two, I, think, I believe that's the ghost of Paul Brown. Yep. Not peanut butter. Not peanut butter. So this guy, again, I think he also hates me. A lot of these guys just don't like me very much. <laughs> we but love Paul you. Paul Brown, you know, I, I think he's an older fellow. He doesn't really get with the times, but he's always entertaining to just read his messages. So, Paul Brown, shout out to you, the ghost, RIP. Everett says, love you, Elliot. I love you, Everett, more than you know. <laughs> Number one, without question, it's Sir Boy Wonder. Sir Boy. Oh, my your God. Act, <laughs> Sir Boy, your act is not tired. You are a legend of this chat. I love you, Sir Boy. Sir, in fact, I believe when I, when I announced my decision to come to Chatterbox, Sir Boy was the very first person to welcome me with open arms. Sir Boy, you are a legend. You are this week's number one chat member. Congratulations, you get no prize. I believe when Elliot first came aboard, he asked us point blank. He said, does Sir Boy work for Chatterbox Sports? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I didn't know if Sir Boy was a member because that's how loyal he is to the Chatterbox Nation, to the Nutcutter Nation. Look, I love Sir Boy <laughs> at, at, at um, Casey's bachelor party. Mm -hmm. I probably talked with him more than anybody there that night. I love Sir Boy Wonder. And first of all, let me say congratulations to Sir Boy Wonder. Because is this true? It's the first time he's ever been number one? I think it, he's been number one before. I is don't it? know. It might be his first time. He's earned it. Okay. So, Sir Boy Wonder, congratulations. Well, well deserved. Well deserved. And again, it, you, you know get... what? It really isn't this week. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you took his overall body of work and contributions to this program, there is no doubt he should be number one. Right. No doubt about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's our guy. He is our guy. Right. But this week, his act has been tired. And Elliot, I want you to tell me what it is about him writing once or 150 <laughs> times as he's continuing to do now by the hype. What would lead you to pick him number one? You know, you have to have people to get excited about something. If you're, you know, you just had the Reds. This is the most excited we've ever been, perhaps, in the last 20 years, last 25 years. This is it. The number one. After the, after the Giants meltdown, this is it. This is all we have. Is this little time, this little two-game winning streak? This is all we have as Reds fans. So he's buying the hype. I'm gonna buy it right along with him. And the Reds are gonna go to the World Series in 2025. I'm buying the hype. What do you do with the hype? Bye bye bye. 
<laughs> Somebody has to be positive. If you're negative, you can't have it. You can't have you can't you can't exist being negative. You have to be positive. And Sir Boy is positive. That's my guy. All right. He's a champion. Meanwhile, Mouse Cop won't let it go. He's now won a tirade. By the hype. <laughs> you hate so <laughs> Tom eats up mouse cop he eats it up he does the same thing that 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 sir boy does just sends the yeah, same but, message a hundred times but 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 when it's fire read over and over <laughs> it, 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 it it has the element of of severe punishment involved there by the hype is just you know some like campaign speech he's like your guy obama right open change right whereas Fire Reed actually is like the, the paper cuts. It just continues to, to, to build up over and over and over. All right, it, it's pie time. Oh, my gosh. All right, here we go. All right. Wait. You ready for this, Elliot? Should, should I go over there? I no, think we'll, the, do it. we'll do it right here. So, okay, so then, okay. But don't sit on the chair. It gets all over the chair. I have, hold on. Hold oh, wait. I have a towel. All right. Hold on. So how do I, I didn't want to wear khakis. I haven't changed the clothes just in case. But how am I, am I just going to hold it like this so it drips down off me? Looks no, like wrap that. the towel around your neck. Uh, yeah, sideways like, like that. that. Wrap it around your shirt and up around your neck. I've done this before. <laughs> I think we're just going to hold it because I think that's the best. All right. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Everybody, everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. I, <laughs> Do you want to make sure that the pie is soft and not Yes, yeah, can you get a finger check in there? Tom, will you do the finger check? Paul, <laughs> you do, do you want my finger to go in this pie? Oh, yeah, nobody's going to Oh, what's a big deal? It's, 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 it seems... It's good. Okay. Mmm. Don't hurt me, please. Wait, wait, wait. This doesn't need to be a smash. It can be... Oh, it, it needs to be a smash. It doesn't need to be a smash. Maybe, I think it's going to be best to do it slowly, please. It's going to be slowly. All right. All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh my! <laughs> it looks good. It looks like you might be bleeding. Okay. I'm not even gonna open my eyes. Is that? Is it gone? Is it done? It's done. It's over. We double take. Very, very well done. Very well done, Elliot. A man of his word said, "If we got a hundred likes the other day, right, he take the pie to the face." You only have a little bit. You're good. Okay. Drew oh. says that was soft. Mouse Cop says that was the weakest pie to it the soft. face I've ever it's seen. I'll do it again. Come on. <laughs> Read one more Bring time out. for the rose. This Bring has got to have a little. Uh, you got, throw it in his face, Reed. <laughs> I'll be here all day. Who wants to do it next? As long as I got khaki shorts. Trace Fowler called you a snowflake, Reed. I broke someone's nose the first time. Throw it in his face. Throw it in his face. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Here we go. All right. No, no pain. No pain. No pain. Here we go. All right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. There we go. There it is. All right. All right. The boss had to come clean up the mess. Literally and figuratively. I don't get paid to clean up the Keep that shot. That's where we're going to go saying goodbye today. <laughs> Thanks to all. 
Elliot, you're a good sport, my man. Yeah. Everybody have a great weekend. Yeah, God bless. America.